0: Uh, We've got a guest preacher today. I'm going to have Chris Williams come up in just a few minutes. Uh, But Chris Williams is actually a familiar face for many of you, probably. Uh, Chris has uh, been a part of Dogwood Church for a little bit over a year. Uh, He caught me on a Friday afternoon on my day off. I was working in the office and he called uh, looking to see if there was a church that would be willing to partner with bringing some meals to TBCC. Uh, Cliff and I met, uh, met Chris and, uh, talked about partnerships and, and he ended up feeling like this was the church that God was, was leading him to be a part of. So Chris has been here for quite a while, but I'm thankful for, for our friendship and I'm thankful that he is here to share the word with us. So Chris, come on up. Y'all welcome him. Uh, we really are looking forward to this. think I'm on? Okay, I guess I'm on. (laughs) Well, uh, good morning church family. Uh, I am so thankful to be here before you today. Uh, Just like Pastor David said, it was about a year ago I uh, was praying and asking God to, I think, really give me a place I can go and worship him and uh, with fellowship and with other believers that were like myself and so that I can grow in my faith but also be able to pour out into other people as well. And uh, I think these last few months, maybe even more than ever, God has really revealed to me how much he answered that prayer. And so I'm thankful for all of you. Uh, I'm thankful for you who've opened your home to me and who have hosted me. And uh, I'm thankful for you guys who have just prayed for me and and prayed for our ministry. Um, It means so much that you care about our college ministry. And uh, I know college was a place that I was uh, eternally changed. Uh, The Lord really found me like he had never before uh, when I was in college. And so I'm so thankful for your support and prayer. Um, and so that is one of my things that I'm thankful for uh, this Thanksgiving, is you guys. Uh, but I think there's there's a message in Psalm 100, and so that's what we'll, we, where we will be today. So let me get my Bible open real quick. And so it reads like this. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His love and kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Lord God, we just thank You. Uh, I thank You, Father, that uh, Your love and kindness is everlasting. And I thank You, Father, that your love, knows, your love knows no end. And I'm grateful, God, that You sent Your Son Jesus to die on the cross for those who are willing to believe in You, and accept you with all of their heart, God. And so I pray that anyone in this room who does not know you would realize and accept the offering, uh, the sacrifice that you have provided for them and, and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And, uh, but also pray that you'd bring us to a place of thanksgiving. Uh, bring us to a heart that worships you boldly and truly. Um, Lord, well, your word is good. Would you teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us in righteousness today through this word? Is there something I pray? Amen. Yeah. Uh, so this psalm today uh, is a psalm of thanksgiving. Uh, it is of unknown human authorship. Uh, we don't know who God spoke through to write it, but we do know that we, but it is not of unknown inspiration. Uh, every word that's in this Bible is God-breathed and God-inspired And so we can trust that these words uh, God speaks to us through. Um, And so in this psalm in particular, uh, this psalm would have been used in the temple along with sacrifices of praise. Uh, It is a psalm of thanksgiving, and it is likely a conclusion to what some commentators call the enthronement psalms. And these are Psalms uh, 93 and then 95 through 100. And so it is a fitting climax to those psalms uh, because it characterizes uh, God's rule, his goodness to his people, uh, and the responsibility of all nations to acknowledge him. And so uh, these are some common things within those psalms. And so we'll kind of go back and forth, but we'll spend the majority of our time in this text today. But I think three, uh, maybe three key points we can pull away from this text today are, number one, Uh, we should praise and serve the Lord unashamedly because of who He is and what He has done for us. And number two, we should submit to the authority of the Lord and trust in His care for us. And then finally, uh, we should come into His presence with hearts that are thankful for His everlasting kindness and faithfulness. And so And so I'll read through verses 1 and 2 one one more time, and they read like this. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. And so the psalmist begins our text today by saying that we should shout joyfully to the Lord. He's letting us know that all of us people should make a noise that praises God. And that noise should be unashamed, right? When when we shout, um, it isn't like we're timid, it isn't like we're fearful. Um, It's a noise that disregards the care of the people around it. Um, And so, uh, this psalm in particular is interesting because the psalmist says, Shout to all the earth, or shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. And uh, keep in mind that God's chosen people, were the Israelites, right? Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, this might not be on the screen, but that's okay. God says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Um, And the Lord your God chose you out of all the earth to be a possession um, out of all the people who are on the entire earth. And so he chose the Israelites. He chose them through uh, Abraham, and he raised a nation of people that would one day... uh, bear his, or that would one day feature his son Jesus Christ through the line of Judah, who would bring salvation to the nations. And so he raises this nation up. And so it makes sense that Israel would shout joyfully to the Lord. But he doesn't just include Israel in this verse, he includes the entire earth. And so I guess the question is, you know, why should all the earth praise the Lord? Um, Why are all people called to give him praise? I think All people on earth should praise the Lord simply because of who he is and what he has done for them. And so looking back at some of our previous psalms, uh, here are just a few ways that they describe who is God. And they should bring us to a place where we can shout joyfully for who he is. And so I think, uh, number one, God is holy. Uh, Psalm 97.12 says this, Be glad in the Lord you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Uh, Psalm 97 is talking about God's righteousness and his justice. Uh, it features uh, the fact that his very throne is built upon justness and rightness. And, so, and then it goes on to say that we should give thanks to his holy name. And so when we say God is holy, uh, what are we saying? Um, Some commentators have found it difficult to describe that word because it kind of says things about his godness. Uh, It's the very fact of who he is. Uh, Wayne Grudem says that when we say God is holy, we are saying that God is perfectly separated from sin. He's perfectly separated from what is evil. Uh, He's perfectly separated from what is profane and what is ungodly. And so in all of eternity... God has never had an evil thought. Uh, he's never had an evil intention. He's never had an evil action. And so he is wonderfully unblemished. Uh, there is nothing filthy in him, and his ways are always good. And I think this is why in the scene in Revelation, when we see John, and he's, uh, the angel takes him to a scene of where God is around his or God is at his throne and there are these elders all around him and there are these four creatures that are worshiping him continually day and night and they're saying th- a special word <laughs> and it's this a holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and who is and who is to come and so yes god is peace he is joy and he's love but i think it's so profound in that instance that they spend day and night worshiping him letting the people around him know that he is holy and in that way friends uh, god is much different from us uh the bible says that uh, the human heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it And so while we are deceitful and while our hearts are wicked and full of sin, God is not like us. And that should bring us to a place of worship for his throne. It should bring us to a place of praise for who he is. And so God is holy. Um, But, okay, so what else? So we know he's holy, but he also, uh, we see in other Psalms, it says this, he controls the entire earth. Psalm 95 says this, In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the peaks of the mountains are his also. And so he controls the highest points on the earth and the lowest points on the earth. Uh, Psalm 96 says this, Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all it contains. Let the field exult, and all that is in it, then all of the trees of the forest will sing for joy. And so the natural world is Built to bring him praise. And then Psalm 97 says this Psalm 97 6 says, The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. And so the heavens themselves declare his righteousness. And so he's in charge of everything uh, from the highest mountain to the lowest cavern. Uh, no mountain is formed without his hand, no sea is filled without him pouring it. And none of the heavens were put in their place without him hanging them, and so they were all made by him and for him. And so, uh, kind of, why else should we shout for joy? Uh, he's He's the only true God. Um, in Psalm ninety-six, uh, we see a psalm that's kind of talking about uh, how the nations are supposed to bring God joy, and how they're supposed to, or excuse me, how the nations are supposed to sing to God, and how they're all supposed to worship Him. And in verse 5, it says, For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And then later on in in the book of Jeremiah, we see uh, Jeremiah describing uh, kind of the worthlessness of the false gods that humans create. And he says this, Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery, In time of their punishment, they will perish. And so the idols, the gods that men raise up to put in God's place, they are worthless. And they only bring the humans themselves down. But God is the one who's truly God. He's the one that's truly holy, and he's the only God there is. And so we know that God is holy. We know that he controls the entire earth. We know that he's the only true God. And I think, uh, you know, kind of why else? Maybe one more reason that why we should shout for joy. uh, He reveals his salvation to us. Um, In Psalm 98, it says this, The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. And he has remembered his loving kindness and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And so for those of us in this room, we know that it is true that God has revealed his salvation to us. And he's done this through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, We know that eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ, um, who God sent to the earth to die on the cross for our sins. And so we should shout joyfully to the Lord, because if we know Jesus, we know the one who is holy. We know the one who owns the entire earth. We know the only true God. And we know that he gives us life. And so, and so I, think, and then I think in verse 2 we see the psalmist move on. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. And so when we think about these things, uh, when we think about who he is and what he's done for us, they should bring us to a place of praise, and that naturally should lead to service. And so he says that we should serve the Lord with a heart that is grateful to be in service to him. Serve him with gladness. And so I think our service to the Lord should always be viewed as a privilege, um, something we get to do, not something we just have to do out of obligation. Uh, We get to serve the God who created the heavens and the earth. Uh, He doesn't need us to do his work. He could do it better without us. Uh, he could accomplish his will more effectively without us, but he allows us to serve him in spite of ourselves because he loves us and he wants to include us in his work. And so I think that's why the, uh, Paul writes in Colossians, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. And then in Mark 10.45, uh, we know that or Mark writes that for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when we serve God, we emulate His Son, Jesus Christ, and His service to others and to His Father. And we also humble ourselves and acknowledge that God's will is best. And so I think kind of a question we may have for ourselves today is, really, how do you view God, and what is your heart towards serving Him? Um, is He a holy God to you? Do you treat Him with the reverence and respect He deserves? Or do you see Him like yourself? Um, we must not try to create God in our image um, because he has created us in his image. Um, And then also, what is your heart towards serving him? Um, Is it a heart that wants to serve him? Um, Is it a heart that leans in or yearns to serve him? Or is it one that uh, is kind of slow or hesitant to serve him? And so regardless of what you believe there, we know that our call upon him as believers in Jesus Christ Um, is to be quick to service and to view him the way he wants to be viewed. And so so our kind of next point we can take away is that we should submit to the authority of the Lord and trust in his care for us. And so verse 3, Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so the psalmist writes in verse 3 know that the Lord Himself is God. I think that's so important. Um, we, the creation, need to recognize the Creator. Uh, we were created in the image of God. Right? We must not try to make God in the image of ourselves. Uh, just like a jar of clay has a sculptor who gave it form, we humans must recognize the one who gave us earth. And so the Lord is God, He is Master. He's the one in charge, and he's the one who tells us what to do and where to do it and who to be. And I think David makes that so clear in Psalm 139, and so I just want to turn there real quick and just talk about that for a second. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Uh, but he's describing how God has put him together before he, even was, before he was even born. And he starts in verse 13. He says this. Uh, he's talking about how God has formed him inwardly in his mother's womb. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for my life when as yet there was not one of them. And so God, or David shows us in this passage, he demonstrates that God is the one who puts us together, even before birth, and he does this in a wonderful way. Um, Even though we are hidden from the world, we are not hidden from God's eyes, and we're not hidden from his hands. And so if God can handle that, surely he can handle our daily lives and our daily affairs. And surely we don't have to stress about the things that come in between us and believing in God and his ability to help us. And so, um, so I think in that verse 3, uh, Warren Risby writes this, that when we know that the Lord himself is God, we know that from an exper- experiential uh, basis. And so I guess the kind of question is, you know, for us, uh, are you surrendered to his authority for your life? Um, do you acknowledge his authority that he has created you for his design and his purpose and his plan and that he can do what he wishes with your life? Um, you know, do you submit to your heart to him daily? And I think the ultimate way we uh, acknowledge that he is God, the ultimate way that we acknowledge that he is Lord is when we submit our lives to his son, Jesus Christ. Um, we say, Lord, I am no longer going to live for myself, I'm going to turn away from sin and follow your son, Jesus Christ, believing that he has paid the penalty for my sin upon the cross and that he has arisen from the dead. And so we surrender our lives to God by first surrendering our lives to his son, Jesus Christ. Um, and I think, you know, why should we be willing to acknowledge that he is God? Um, why should we be willing to or quick to acknowledge his authority over our life? Well, I think one reason we can do that quickly is because we know that His will is perfect, and His plan for our lives is perfect too. Uh, Romans 12:2 says, uh, "Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can test and approve what God's will is—His good, His perfect, and His pleasing will." And so, we don't conform any longer to the ways of this world. Right? Be transformed through the renewing of your mind, through the renewing of the Holy Spirit so that you can understand that God's ways are good and perfect and pleasing and good for your life. Um, And so we can surrender our lives to him because his ways are good and perfect and his will is perfect. And if we follow him, our life will look like it should. Um, But also, I think another reason we can surrender our lives to God and acknowledge him as God is because of what David says in Psalm 63. And so he says this, Psalm 63, verses 3 through 5, He says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. And so I will bless you as long as I lived, and I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. And so God wants what's best for us, and he's the only thing that can truly satisfy us. David writes that, or the psalmist writes that because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. And so I will bless you every day as long as I live. I will lift up my hands. And then he goes on to say something else. He says, my soul is satisfied with you as with marrow and fatness. In other words, I'm satisfied with you as with the richest meal, as with the best part of a Thanksgiving dinner. You satisfy just like the fatness and the marrow of a of a wonderful food and that can only come from God. And so we can acknowledge that he is God and we can surrender our heart to him daily because he satisfies us like nothing else can. And then that second part of verse 3 says this, he we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so for those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ and and turned and followed him, we can know that he trust or that he's or that we must trust in his care for us um, he is a shepherd for his people and so Jesus tells us in John 10 verse eleven he says I am the good shepherd the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep so Jesus is our good shepherd uh, he's a shepherd that doesn't run away when people come and attack us uh, when people try to uh, get in between us and him um, he protects us, and he pulls us away from danger because he loves us. And so because Jesus Christ lays down his life for those who he loves, we can trust in his care for us. And then Psalm 34, uh, David kind of gives us another picture of how God cares for us and how he uh, cares for us like a righteous shepherd. And he says in verse 15, the eyes, are on, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from or delivers him out of them all. So the Lord cares when we are broken. And he cares when we have been um, hurt. And he saves us when we are crushed in spirit. And so the psalmist wants us to know that we can trust in the care of God today. We can trust in his uh, loving kindness, and we can trust that he wants what's best for us. So I think, uh, kind of looking towards verse 4 and 5, lastly, we see that we can come into God's presence um, with hearts that are thankful for his everlasting kindness and his faithfulness. And so verse four reads like this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. And so uh, kind of in the original context, uh, I think we can see that the Israelites were supposed to enter into uh, God's gates into Jerusalem and come before his courts, the temple, with praise. Um, They could bring an offering to him. And if the offering was a thank offering, which it fell into a special category of offerings called peace offerings, and the Israelites were supposed to bring an animal and some type of unleavened bread and also some type of leavened bread to the priest who would then make sure that that offering was prepared in a certain way. And so the Israelites would come before God and bring something of value to Him to show that they were thankful to Him. Um, They they were showing that they were grateful for who He had been to them um, over the years, how He delivered them from Egypt, how He had led them to the wilderness, and how He delivered them that very day. And so whoever was making an offering, uh, they were supposed to bring something of value to God. Uh, Their offering was supposed to cost them something because they were showing a gratitude. But I think this, this outward offering, this outside offering, was always supposed to come alongside an eternal or an internal one. Uh, this is because God commands the Israelites to love them with all their heart, all their soul, and all of their might. And so this external offering was always supposed to be uh, accompanied by an internal heart offering of thanks and praise and obedience to God. And I think this is so important for us uh, because those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord also have the opportunity to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And we can give thanks to him and bless his name. And we can do that through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, You know, we don't need to travel to Israel. Uh, We don't need to take a trip to the Middle East to get to God. Um, We can do that right here in this room. And that's such a blessing for us. Um, Ephesians 3.12 says this, uh, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In Jesus Christ and through faith in Jesus Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We can go to the temple today and offer a thanksgiving to him. Um, And John 14.6 says this, No one can come to the Father except through me. And so through Jesus Christ, we have that same ability. And so we should be ready to go Through Jesus Christ to God to give Him thanks daily, uh, because Jesus has paid the price for our sins upon the cross, and so we should enter into His presence with thanksgiving because of what God has done for us. And so, I guess the maybe the question is: What type of offering does God require from us? Uh, How can we show Him our thanks? Uh, How can we show Him our praise? How can we bless Him and give thanks to His name? What does He desire? I think the answer is our hearts God primarily desires our hearts and uh, David demonstrates this for us to see in Psalm 51 I love the psalm because uh, it's such an honest uh, I think act of repentance in David's heart and in the psalm if you don't know the context David has just committed a terrible sin an egregious sin against a man named Uriah and his wife Bathsheba he uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he had Uriah sent to the front lines of the battlefield to have it so that he would die and that he could have it covered up. Of course, God knows what happened, and God reveals that to David through his prophet Nathan. And when David realizes what he has done, and when the God convicts him of his sin, David immediately runs to God and confesses this sin to him, he says in verse, I think it's verse 12, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He says, Do not take me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach sinners your ways, or sorry, then people will be converted to you. And so David is coming to God with his repentant heart attitude. He's saying, Lord, forgive me for this terrible sin. Lord, uh, would you restore me to the place that we once were? Would you restore me to a, a, a cleansing and a righteousness? Um, and then later on, uh, he realizes something uh, really important that I think we need to realize. Um, in verse 16, he says, For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. And so, David tells us right there, hey, I can bring a thousand goats to you. I can bring a thousand, uh, you know, parcels of uh, unleavened bread to you. And it wouldn't matter if my heart's not in the right place. It wouldn't matter if my heart wasn't truly repentant and broken and contrite. And so I think here David's letting us know that we must have our heart right with God before we can do anything for him. Um, when we come before God, we must bring nothing less than our full hearts. When we come before His courts with thanks or before, when we enter His gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise, He, we must bring our hearts to Him, and we must lay our hearts out to Him and say, Lord, like You do what You want with this heart. You take away what You want to take away, and You add to it what You want to add to it, and You build it and edify it in Your image, and I will accept the results of that. Whatever that looks like, whatever it costs. And I think that's what Paul says in Romans 12. 1. He says, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so when we worship God, we bring ourselves to him as a sacrifice, as a, holy, or as a sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. We bring our hearts to him and we let him do what he wants with them. And so I think, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, okay, how, how do I need to apply this to my life? Um, what does this look like? I know for me, the thing I, had to, I need to bring to Him daily is complaining. <laughs> in the season of Thanksgiving, I think God has really convicted me that I complain way too much. <laughs> I complain about the smallest things, right? I'll be outside in the cold. I get cold really easily. I very, I don't know why. I just, I do. Uh, and so I remember one day we were out, I was in the college campus and we were out. Um, at a table, and there were students coming by, and and I was uh, complaining about, or I was just—I think I said something outwardly about, like, "Man, it's so cold." Um, but like every single day, I get to go on the college campus at TVCC and share my faith with people who don't know Jesus Christ. And so, being outside in the cold um, should not be a complaint for me, but it should be a privilege for me because I get to share with them a news that they may never hear. I get to give them directions to their father or to someone who wants to be their father in God. And so I, I had to like really realize, like, hey, God, like, help me to, like, here's my heart, Lord. Help me to realize, help me to see the privilege in getting to stand out in the cold for you at TVCC. I know that's silly. Uh, there are plenty of other options for me, and sometimes I complain about uh, I'm not a very good cook. I'm single, and so I don't cook for you. I don't well, I'm not sure those things are always going to but I don't do that great at cooking. And so sometimes I complain because I have to, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to eat the same thing again. Like, I eat the same thing all the time. <laughs> but I think God's like, well, or at least in my mind, I can see uh, a need to realize that at least I get to eat. Um, there are plenty of people in this world who don't get to eat food. And so anyways, those are some silly ways that I find myself needing to bring my heart to God daily. And I think in this season of Thanksgiving, it's so important that we do that because the world complains about everything. The world is bitter about everything. The world grumbles about every inconvenience. Um, but we as believers in Jesus Christ should find the privilege in those inconveniences and find the, the delight in those things that may uh, seem to, uh, I guess, get in our way. And so, uh, and then finally in verse 5, we see that the psalmist writes, For the Lord is good. And his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Uh, His loving kindness is everlasting. It never runs out. And his faithfulness to all generations. I think it reminds me so much of Psalm 23. Uh, David describes in that psalm, he says, Lord, you kind of lead me to places of uh, pasture. You lead me to places of calm waters. You feed me in the presence of my enemies. You walk through me and the, through the darkest valley. And then finally, in verse 6, he says, for, your, surely your loving, or sh, for surely your goodness and your loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His goodness and his loving kindness will follow us all the days of our life if we, are in the, or if we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And we will dwell in his house forever. Uh, a billion years from now, <laughs> we will still be dwelling in his house with many rooms, one prepared just for us, I believe so, and so we can shout joyfully to the Lord, uh, we can trust in His everlasting kindness, and we can bring him an offering of praise and thanksgiving and so uh, I think that 's most of what I had today but i 'm just so thankful to be here with you guys today i think um, in this season of thanksgiving i 'm so glad that i 've been reminded. Uh, that there is so much more to be thankful for than there is to complain about. And I think as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to realize that while the world complains, we should always be in a spirit of thanksgiving because this life is two seconds long and we get to dwell with our Father in heaven forever. And so let's start praising him today like the creatures do all around his throne because that's what we're going to do for all eternity. Um, And so let's start today. So thank you.